Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Now, this evening is completely different. Uh, I am, as Ben said, going to be sharing my personal story. And one of the things I really like to do when I'm sharing my story is to start with a family photo, because I know without my family, I wouldn't be where I am today. So, oh, actually, I'm in control of this. Hmm. So, oh, no, I'm not, okay. <laughs> so this is, this is my gorgeous family. So obviously, standing next to me is my husband, Ross, and we're not quite 25 years. We're, we're 25 years in July, so near enough is good enough. Then next to me is our daughter, Keely. Keely and her husband is standing next to her, Callan. They got married a couple of years ago, so following in my footsteps, which is a little bit scary because it would mean, if they continue, that I could be a grandma in the next few months, which I'm so not ready to be a grandma, I'm just saying. Um, and then standing next to Ross is our son, Curtis, and his fiance Taylor, that Curtis is going to be the oldest member of our family to get married at the ripe old age of 20. <laughs> so um, interesting, interesting times for the Bunshaw household. But there was one member of the family who is very much loved, who wasn't able to, to join us at this birthday celebration, and his name is Charlie. So Charlie is our four-year-old schmoodle. I really do need to update this photo because, you know, like it really shows how messy our, our home is with the coat hangers hanging in the background and shoes lying around. But, but our family is not complete without introducing you to Charlie. So he's adorable. So I'm going to flick over to the next... Oh, no, I'm not. I'm going to just leave that one up there. Otherwise, I'll get distracted. But this morning when I was sharing, I, I talked about a scripture in Galatians 5, and it says that it's for freedom that Christ came. And I absolutely believe that Jesus wants us to live in freedom in every area of our life. And that could be emotionally, relationally, spiritually, or financially. But I think many of us in this room would agree that although that's the goal, Many of us aren't living in that freedom. Many of us are overwhelmed by life circumstances. Many of us are are trapped and and really struggling with things like depression and anxiety and fear and shame. But God has an answer and a solution to all of those challenges that you're struggling with. And I don't know where you're at today. I, I don't know the challenges that you have got going on, but... But my prayer for you is that after you've heard my story and after you've heard what God has done in my life, that you would leave this place with a renewed sense of hope for the future. Because I'm here to tell you that God is in the business of transforming lives. And I want to share um, a little bit later, I want to share some of the the principles that have really helped me live and and walk in this freedom. Um, And I, I say that these principles are what I'm currently sharing, but I say that because these are the principles that I apply on a daily basis. Like many of you, I'm on a journey 
No, I've not arrived. I, I still have challenges. I still have struggles. But, but the principles that I share are what I really anchor to when, when I am going through those tough times. And we're going to be making some time available after my message. Uh, I'm very aware that the things that I share might be quite painful for some of you. Statistically, there are people in this room who will be able to identify with some of the things that, that I've experienced. And so we don't, wanna, you know, we don't want this evening to pass by without making opportunity for you guys to come and have some time of ministry and to really invite God into your circumstances. So before we do that, where um, I do want to just share a little bit about my, my background, I suppose. And I've had a lot of time to really reflect on, on my childhood and the things that happened. And as I've done that, in, in many ways, my childhood was quite idyllic. So I grew up in Newcastle, which is a beautiful part of the world. I had a mum and dad who absolutely adored me. I, I was the youngest of three children. Being the only girl, I was very much spoilt. Um, and really, from the outside looking in, we had it all together. We were like the picture-perfect family. But how many of you know that looks can be deceiving? And certainly in our family, although we looked like we had it all together... It was far from reality. And my life started to really fall apart when I was around eight years of age. And what had happened was that my dad, who was a school teacher, he started having an affair with a colleague from work. And this brought an enormous amount of tension and pressure into our home. But dad was the love of my mum's life and she didn't want the, the marriage to fall apart. And so they worked really hard to, to overcome all of the pain and heartache that was associated with that. But it was around the same time that I started being sexually abused by a family member. And like many people who have been sexually abused, the impact on me was devastating. It robbed me of my innocence it made me feel deeply ashamed for the things that was going on. And it really affected the way that I conducted my relationships in the future because I didn't know how to have healthy relationships. And I carried that for many, many, many years. And I would often go to bed at night just crying myself to sleep and blaming myself for everything that was going on. And I didn't believe in God, um, but I used to pray and, and just say, God, you know, I, I want things to get better. You know, things have to get better. But instead of getting better, things got worse. The sexual abuse went on for a couple of years till I was around 10 years of age. And it was around this time that my oldest brother was doing his last year of high school and because my dad was a maths teacher, he really wanted my brother to excel in his studies. He really wanted him to go to university. But my brother didn't want to do that. All he wanted to do was join the armed forces and, and you know, support his country. And so there was a huge amount of tension because they were constantly fighting over schoolwork and assignments and how much study my brother needed to be doing. But 
with everything that was happening in our home, nobody really knew how badly Darren was being affected by this tension until it was too late. And it was the 23rd of March, 1983, that my brother had some friends come over from um, the Air Force cadets, and they'd invited him to, to go on this camp. And my brother was really excited about this camp. It was all he really wanted to do. But because he hadn't done enough schoolwork, my dad said that he wasn't allowed to go. And when I think back to this day, it was... It, it was a pretty normal kind of day. But what I didn't know was this was the day that my life and the life of countless others was going to be forever changed. And I'd, um, you know, like every other day, I, I'd gone to school, I'd come home, we'd sat around watching TV and uh, I went to bed as I normally did. But I woke up in the middle of the night to the sound of screaming And initially I just thought it was my mum and dad watching a scary movie on TV and so I just naturally went downstairs to find out what was going on. But as I got down to the bottom of the stairs, I realised very quickly that the screams weren't coming from the TV at all. They were actually coming from our study and I slowly made my way over to where the study was And as I opened the door, I found my 17-year-old brother attacking my dad with a kitchen knife. At the time, I was just completely frozen with fear. My 10-year-old brain had no idea how to process what I was seeing happen before my eyes. And I don't have time to go into all of the details of what happened that night, But I woke up the next day at a neighbour's house, surrounded by people that I didn't know, police officers all around, and they informed me that my dad tragically didn't survive the attack, and my mum had life-threatening injuries, so my brother had attacked her as well. So as you can imagine, my whole life was thrown into complete chaos and confusion. And the next eight years was really... It just was a a storm. It It was being completely consumed by anger and fear. I was so angry by what had happened in my past but I was completely crippled with fear and anxiety because I was terrified of the future. And I felt so alone and and so isolated because I didn't think that anybody could understand the pain and the trauma that I had been through. And like many people who are exposed to, to that level of trauma, or in fact people who go through bad things and who don't know how to process it, I I did what, what they all do, and I, I turned to drugs and alcohol, and I had loads of bad relationships, and I developed an eating disorder, which I struggled with well into my married life. And this was my world. And I got to a point after eight years of wrestling with all of these overwhelming, suffocating emotions, and I got to a point where I just thought, you know what, I'm done. 
I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I don't want to live the rest of my life being overwhelmed by all of this pain and all of this heartache. And suicide was the only real solution for me at that time, or so I thought. But in the midst of all of this, all of this trauma and all of this grief, I actually had a friend who started talking to me about God. Now, he had no idea what had gone on in my life. I was so ashamed by everything that I didn't tell anybody about my past. So I just hid behind a smiley face. I hid behind the plastic smiles, which many of us do, and suffered in silence. But my friend saw beyond that, and he started talking to me about Jesus and that Jesus loves me and had a plan for me. And over a period of of about six months, I started to think, you know what, I've actually got nothing to lose, but potentially I've got everything to gain by giving this God a go. And as I said, I didn't really believe in God, but I just thought I should try God before I commit suicide. So... um, I remember walking through the doors of the church for the very first time and for the first time in years, I felt like I'd come home. I felt like I had a family that loved me, that reached out to me, that didn't judge me, that, that just accepted me at face value and it was in the church that, that I found that acceptance and after a number of weeks, I, I was asking lots of questions, but on the 5th of May, 1991, I decided that I wanted to become a Christian, and I got baptised, and I can honestly say that becoming a Christian is without a doubt the most defining moment of my life. Now, it's not to say that I woke up the next day and my life was magically better, I woke up the next day and I still had post-traumatic stress. I was still overwhelmed by my circumstances. I was still completely shattered and broken. But you know the one thing that changed for me? Was that I had hope. I had hope that my life could have meaning. I had hope that that my future could be better than my past. And, And I had hope that maybe, just maybe, God could use my brokenness and help other people. Now, one of my other life scriptures uh, that I absolutely love is in Corinthians. And it says, in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And I stand before you today a completely different person to who I was 25 years ago. I'm not that same broken, ashamed, isolated person. God has healed me from the inside out. And I can stand here confidently saying that if he can do that for me, he can do it for you as well. Is it going to be easy? No. I've had so many, well, I've written a book. That's how many challenges I've had. Um, But it's so worth it. 
following God, allowing him into your brokenness instead of shutting him out, letting people into your brokenness instead of shutting them out. That is how you get to live and walk in the freedom. And the reason I want to tell you that it's worth it, it's not just for yourself, but I've got a a photo here. This is another reason why it's worth it. Because sitting next to me is my brother who attacked my parents on the 23rd of March, 1983. On the other side of me is my mum. And then there's my other brother. To me, this is not just a family photo. This is a photo of redemption. This is a photo of forgiveness. This is a photo that proves that God is a God that redeems and restores and heals and sets free. And if God can take the shattered pieces of my life and do that, he can absolutely do it for you as well. And I don't know your story. I said that before. You you might be here and you might be facing a situation that you think is too difficult It's too overwhelming. It's too complicated. Seriously, when you go through that time where you feel like that and you think like that, I want you to remember this photo when you go through the hard times. And I want you to remember that God is faithful to his promises. So what are some of the things and some of the lessons that I've learned over my 25-year journey? And I think really the first thing that I realized was hurt people, hurt people. And I got married, uh, so I became a Christian in, the, in, the, um, in May. I met my husband not long after. We officially started dating in December. We got engaged in February and we were married in July. And I kid you not, I had like kilos and kilos and kilos of emotional baggage going into this relationship. I was a serious nutcase um, with lots of anger issues, like lots of anger issues. We can joke about it now. Really wasn't funny at the time, but, you know, Ross, Ross would always say, you know, you always hear about the wife bashes, but what about the husband bashes? Like, seriously, there's no support for us. So, but it, it wasn't funny at the time. In fact, the first time I think Ross had a bit of a, a moment was on our honeymoon. You know, it's supposed to be the most romantic holiday of, of your life, really. You've got no kids, got no mortgage, got no stress. Like, life is, in theory, should be sweet. So, um, but Ross knew that he was in for a lot of trouble when the morning after we arrived on our honeymoon, we had this argument. And like all good arguments, I've got absolutely no idea what it was over. But I threw my wedding ring at him and said that marrying him was the worst decision of my life. And I stormed off. And he's like ferreting around trying to find the the engagement ring. Um, Yeah, it was at that moment he thought, hmm, okay, I'm definitely going to need God in in this relationship. Um, but hurt people hurt people. And, and I didn't know how to deal with conflict in, in a healthy way. And one of the things that was really a massive issue for me was all around this area of trust. 
So I had been let down by every male in my life. I didn't know how to trust them. And so for me, it was, it was a, a form of self-preservation and, and protection. And so I pushed, I pushed Ross away instead of allowing him into my life. And, you know, I think that there are a lot of people in this room who struggle as well with trust. You know, it's a big deal. Who here has ever seen the show Fear Factor? Is anybody? Not me. So it's, it, I haven't, it's not on at the moment, but it, I love it. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So, um, but they do all of these really crazy, crazy things. One of the favorite episodes of mine is they had these big cans. One was filled with earthworms and one was empty. And the, the, basically the object, ob, objective was to get all of the earthworms from one thing into another but using their teeth. So really disgusting, like really disgusting. But anyway, one of the things that I love about the show is, so the winner gets $50,000, but the host of the show says to the winner, clearly fear is not a factor for you. And I love that because I think that fear is the opposite of trusting you know, and, and, and I think that fear is one of those things that can be so debilitating and it robs us of so many opportunities in life. And, and I actually, I've got a bit of an irrational fear of worms, which is why I was so drawn to this particular episode. But some fears have greater consequences than other fears, Right. And I used to work in a, um, I used to run a, an ear, nose and throat surgeon, um, a practice rather. And the surgeon that I was working for at the time had this patient come in and she had this enormous tumour on, on the side of her cheek. And it was like the size of an orange. It was really, I won't go into detail and describe it because it was really disgusting. Um, but Colin basically said to her, what on earth has kept you from seeing somebody for so long. And she said it was fear. And in the end, she had to undergo hours and hours of facial reconstructive surgery, and she's scarred for life. And the tumour started like a pimple. It was tiny. And if she had dealt with that fear earlier on in her life, she wouldn't have the scars that she now carries. And for me, that's such a powerful illustration of what fear can do to us. And you know what? The truth is we all have fears. You might have a fear of rejection. You might have a fear of failure. You might have a fear of intimacy and having meaningful relationships so you keep people at a a distance. But God wants to eradicate that fear from your life. Right. He wants you to live in freedom from that. And it's, it's one thing to say, oh, well, just let go of your fear. It's, you know, I know from experience, it, it can be difficult. But the thing that will break fear in your life is learning to trust God. Yeah. And I love there's a scripture in... Um, in Proverbs 3, verse 5. I'm just going to go to this one. Nope. Oh, dear. You know what? Really? 
Oh yeah, here we go. Yay. Um, Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And what I've come to learn is that trust is like the glue that holds all of our relationships together. If we don't have trust, then we have nothing. And one of the things that, um, so obviously Ross and I are coming up to 25 years of um, being married in July, but for our 20th wedding anniversary, we decided that we wanted to do something that was, you know, pretty memorable. We're not the most romantic type of couple, so we're much more into experiences. And, and so we thought, what could we do to remember our, this significant uh, anniversary? So we decided we were going to go abseiling in the Blue Mountains. So I'll just show you. This is, um, this is the, the um, Boar's Head abseiling track. And this little bit here is just to show you the scale of how high that is. It was intense. I, I've done lots of crazy things, but I reckon this by far was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. And one of the things that really struck me um, as we were preparing for this, because that, um, that photo was taken on the day, so you can see it's you know, really misty and cloudy, and not surprisingly, it was just me and Ross and our instructor. There weren't any other takers on the day. Um, but our instructor was just skipping along the edge of this, of this cliff, and our hearts were in our throats. We were absolutely petrified. And I remember Ross saying to the instructor, you know, it's, it's so cool that you don't have a, a fear of heights because, you know, like, it's, it's pretty un, unusual. And she said, oh, she said, no, I'm, I'm terrified of heights. She said, the only reason I can do what I do is because I fully trust my equipment. And when she, when she was talking about that, this is what she was referring to a tiny little piece of rope and a little metal clasp and she's dangling hundreds of metres off, off the ground. And I remember God saying to me, if she can trust that, you can trust me. The creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who, who loves us, the God who has plans and purposes for us, if we can trust him, we can live in freedom from the fear that seeks to bind us and control us and rob us of the opportunities that God has in store for us. And Romans 8 is another fantastic scripture. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You know what? I don't know about you, but... I absolutely believe that all things means all things. Yeah. All things means the bad, the ugly, the great. It includes things like the sexual abuse, the relationship breakdown, yeah. being let down by your parents, being bullied by your friends. All things means all things. We can trust him.
It was so encouraging hearing about that lady who was given a bad diagnosis last week. You know what? We can trust him. When we get a bad doctor's report, we can trust him. And when things don't go the way that you want them to, we can trust him. If your kids are going off the rails, we can trust him. When you lose your job, you can trust him. Whatever it is that you are going through, you can trust God. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And I know, I've seen it firsthand, not just in my own life, but in the lives of countless others. I've seen God move mightily. I've seen him provide. I've seen him heal and make whole. And I know that he can do the same for you. But you know what you have to do? God is a miracle-working God. He absolutely is. But he also wants us to be practical. He wants us to take steps towards him. And so what I would really love to do over the next 10, 15 minutes, I want to invite every single person here who's struggling with some of these things that we've talked about. There will be people here statistically that have been sexually abused. There will be people here who have had a a far from perfect childhood. They've been let down by their parents. There'll be people here who are struggling with finances. There'll be people here who feel unworthy, feel broken by life. People that can't see a way out of the mess that they find themselves in, whether it's their own fault or not. God loves you and he wants to meet you tonight. When I first became a Christian, I didn't know if God was real, but I just surrendered to him anyway. I said, you know what, God? If you're there, I need you. I can't, I can't do this on my own. We're not meant to do life on our own, not meant to live in isolation. So while the band's playing, I would love to have the opportunity to pray for you. You know, to, to stand in agreement. You know what? There is such power in agreement when we combine our faith together, when we confess our brokenness before God. God isn't surprised by it, by the way. He knows you're broken anyway. But it's coming together and standing together and believing together. So as the band plays, I want to invite all of you to to come forward and I would personally love to pray with you. I absolutely full of faith to believe that God can meet you where you're at, that he can help you overcome the challenges that, that you're going through. So I'm going to stop talking and invite you all to come forward now. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.